Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz conga and percussionist Alberto Nassif. He opened up about his new 2023 project, the fifth album, called Unidad. It is all original Latin jazz recordings comprised of 11 creatively fresh Cuban jazz-inspired pieces from the incredibly rich Detroit-area jazz scene. Alberto was born in Mexico City and lived on the West Coast, where Cuban-derived rhythms were part of everyday music. He began playing conga and bongo go drums at a young age with local musicians in Mexico. He emigrated to Detroit as a teen and became involved in the city's jazz, disco, and Latin music scene. He is also a very skilled physician. He's got a great story to tell. Enjoy. Well, great to meet you, man. Where are you coming out of? Well, I'm in Michigan. Okay, cool. Well, I'm here in Kansas City, Missouri, so in the middle of the map. Oh, beautiful. So. Beautiful. Well, it's great to meet you. And before we get into your album, which I've really enjoyed, I, I just I love the whole Cuban vibe. There's just such a there's such a happiness all the time that comes from that music. You know, oh, I love it. it. It's very evident that it's woven deeply into the cultural roots and it's just right. such a part of how everything flows. But before we get there, I want to know, how did you survive COVID? How did you get through the last three years and how has it changed you now that we're coming out? And you got a new album. Yeah, it was rough, but you know what? I spent a lot of time sitting in front of these things, just yeah. practicing. And I also spent a lot of time writing and getting new ideas. Literally, right now, I have enough music for another three releases, wow. believe it or not. Uh, and we're starting to play it now that we're, we just finished this, uh, this release. Uh, also, you know, I was busy with my other job. I'm, I'm actually a, a full-time working physician. Okay. Medical. So that was really busy and it was kind of hair raising at times, but uh, okay. Wow. What a great story. What a great way to set everything up. So the latest album, Unidad, is a, a wonderful listen. How did this come about? Was this a pandemic album? Well, you know what? The the very first tune on, the, on, the, on this release is called Hinsuji, which is a Japanese art. And Right at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, we, well, all, all of us talked at times uh, between uh, sets at gigs and between ourselves about how upset we were that the, the U.S. and the world were so fragmented. And what could we do musically to bring it together? And I was looking through some stuff. I'm always, a, I'm a kind of a compulsive reader about everything. And I read about this art in, the, in Japan called Kintsuji where if you take a bowl or a cup, something useful, and you drop it, you break it, let's say, instead of throwing it out like we normally would do in the States, you put it together and you take the pieces and you use uh, rice, water, and gold as the glue to hold the pieces together. So what you have is a finished product that looks like a, a bowl or a cup with veins, with gold veins. But... What that does is in Japan, it exponentially increases its value because it's something that you brought back together from uselessness yeah. into use. And so there's this, uh, this sense of how do we bring things together? And really, I happen to think that music and the arts are the kintsugi that will bring us together. But we just yeah. have to keep hammering away at the people who don't listen or don't pay attention to this, this world. It's interesting you say that because throughout the pandemic and, and even kind of as we've come out of it, I've talked so much about how music is the unifier. And the example is when Dizzy Gillespie went on a U.N. mission in 48 in Africa and they stopped a war, you know, yes. they, 
they Absolutely. stopped fighting. You know what I'm saying? And and then you think about the Bob Dylan moments when we were on that apex of the counterculture and coming through a war and all these things, how these voices were really central to people feeling emboldened and ready to make humanity better. Oh, wait, my, <laughs> my uh, little doohickey that I put a contraption together with broke. It's okay. Here we yeah. are. We're yeah, it, th- it's ironic that I was talking about <laughs> counterculture and revolution and everything just spun. <laughs> it was timely. <laughs> See? That was it. It, 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 was, person. You know, I'm it, was, strong. it, it was literally a revolution. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, that's interesting. So talk to me a little bit about what you're hoping the listener gets from this album. Well, First of all, I want them to hear the album, or the CD in, in this case, and, and there are some LPs coming out. It, it's just taking a really long time to get those done. I want somebody to get a sense of cohesiveness, how each rhythm is different than the other, but underneath all that, there's still a unity of rhythm and of idiom and of, uh, you know. And for, for us, the message is, Let's let's work together. Let's talk. Let's have dialogue. You know, I, I I hate it when you're talking to somebody and you can tell by looking at them that they're not even listening. That they're formulating their retort to whatever it is you're going to say or or, or express. And um, what happens? It's very disappointing because I try very hard to listen, even with to people I don't agree with, and yeah. think where are they coming from and why are they thinking this. And how can I absorb what they're saying and understand what they're saying so that then I can give them an intelligent reply? An intelligent reply would imply to me that, that, that I really listened to what they were, what their concerns are and why they're feeling that way. And we don't always get that anymore. Yeah, I, I, yeah, totally. You know, and, and with everything being so divided, there's this fear of some level of, irrational retaliation and things like that it's like there just can't be a discourse that celebrates the differences that we all have so yeah, well discourse doing discourse that's what that means and, and uh i put that in there for a reason you know yeah. everything the order that i have it in the types of tunes that i have it's they're all i mean i took a lot of time thinking out what what how I wanted the thing to sound, but also as people read down the tunes, what they what they felt about those separate things. So that that's a whole separate art. I talked to my engineer. He has a show called the Neon Beat, and it's the American Songbook. And we talk about yeah. how we every time we walk into the studio together, we have a canvas. And as much as people may not understand, even the flow of an album or even songs you pick for a radio show, all have this sequence that fits into a theme. So it's absolutely. And uh, I did a radio show for 10 years at at, uh, radio station WEMU in Ypsilanti, Michigan, which is just outside of Ann Arbor. Yeah. Beautiful little town and uh, great radio station, very jazz oriented. And they approached me and said, hey, you know a lot about Cuban music. You've been there many times. How about you do a radio show? And I did a radio show and it was called Cuban Fantasy. You know, that that tune that uh, by Bryant that that, you know. It, it was played by Chito and many others. And uh, <clears throat> I, I loved doing that show because they would get a lot of listeners and a lot of people calling um, and asking questions about the music. And that's all I was trying to do is just expose something that they had probably never been exposed to. 
Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So let's go to your roots. You got a very interesting mix as a musician and a physician. So talk to me a little bit about where you were born and raised and how those two things became your id, ego, superego. <laughs> well, uh, interestingly enough, I was born in Mexico in, in the southwest part of Mexico in a state called Oaxaca, which if you read anything about Oaxaca, it's a very indigenous like pre-Maya culture. I mean, before the Mayas and the Incas and all those people, this is a very old culture, the Zapotecs. Now, I'm not Zapotec, but I was raised in this culture. And one of the musics that they had were very tribal-sounding flute and drum kind of musics. And I was always enthralled by the magical sound of those those two instruments. Uh, And then I started listening around, and there was a lot of stuff that they called in Mexico tropical music, quote-unquote, which was really a guise for Cuban music. They played mambos, they played cha-cha-chas, and they played danzones, a lot of danzones in this part of the world. So I got really, really, uh, I fell in love with that sound and that music and, and, and the, 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 the feeling that I got listening to it and remembering that since childhood. So I, I didn't actually start to really play until I got in my teens. And, you know, then we mo- we moved to the U.S. <clears throat> and we moved to Detroit, which is a very heavy-duty jazz city. Uh, but there wasn't a lot of drummers. There were a few. And there was a couple of people, uh, specifically a guy named uh, Jimmy Stephenson, who has passed away, God rest his soul, uh, who became friends. And I started playing, learning from him and learning from his salsa band. So literally, I had to learn from somebody who wasn't even Cuban or Latin American. So then as, as my playing progressed, based on what I learned from Jimmy, uh, I started looking around to see who else plays. So, of course, Mongo Santa Maria, Armando Peraza, Francisco Aguabella, uh, Patato, all my heroes, you know, all the guys that were serious business. And uh, I didn't even know about, about Chano Pozo. Forget that. I didn't know anything about him at that time. But as I started learning from it, and I, and I actually became good friends with Armando when I was 18 years old. I went to a Santana concert and then stood around backstage until he came out and then just approached him. And we started talking and he asked me to come back the following night to see the next show because those were the days when they would come and do four, three or four shows, you know, three yeah. or four nights in, in, in Detroit. So we became friends and over the years, we would t- I even I even would stay in his house in in in, in San Francisco and and uh, it was a pretty amazing friendship and you know he passed away in 2014 I sure miss him because this was a guy who was so full of wisdom yeah but that being said I learned a lot from him not only about the music not only about you know hand positions but that was the least important of the things the thing is what were you trying to convey when you played. That was the thing that I always got from him. He always told me, your job is to get that person who's out there listening to want to dance, to want to move. And, uh, you know, he certainly did that with Santana for all those years. And yeah. before that with George Shearing and with everybody else that he played with. Uh, but I, I right away learned, how do I express my feelings through this instrument? Yeah. Yeah. And, That's wonderful. And it went into, you know, I got accepted to medical school. I I actually went to art school for a year and decided that that wasn't for me. 
you know, to, to make beautiful drawings or beautiful things and then have to sell them to make a living. I didn't want to sell anything that I made. You know, I wanted to keep it. Like, it's like me selling my music to somebody else and saying, now it's yours. Well, they have a CD, but the music belongs to me because I. Absolutely. That's an interesting way of putting it. Are, were you a fan of Candido? Oh, yeah. I love Candido's playing. I love the simplicity of his playing and the drive that he had. I loved him. And he was just a wonderful human being. So my so, wife, we got married in 2019, but we started dating in 15. First okay. date, the first date I ever took her on was down at the American Jazz Museum. Um, Candido came in and he was going to play in the foyer. I didn't know if she liked jazz. It was so early on. I didn't know. I was like, I'm going to take a chance. We're going to go see this 98 year old bongo player. And they, he, he comes in, they wheel him in in a wheelchair. They yeah. put him right, they put him right in front of the bongos and his back straightens up and he just goes in like he's 16 years old. It was crazy. But it, yeah. needless to say, we got married. Everything worked out. She loved it, but it was so cool to see him just light up like all of those years of energy and fusion of, Feeling the music and the youth just came out no matter how old his bones were. It just made sense. What a, he was a beautiful human being, yeah. very calm and very, uh, how can I say, generous with his time and his knowledge. Yeah. So, yeah. Even at that age, yeah, coming in and it was a free yeah. show, you know, it was it was pretty stellar. It um, was great. Yeah, for sure. So, 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 you know, I got a gig with Dizzy Gillespie about a month, or, I'm sorry, about two weeks before I, I heard well, I heard from about a month before starting medical school, Dizzy Gillespie's coming to town and he needs a conga player. Do you want to play? I said, oh, heck yeah. So I show up at the, you know, uh, Detroit's Orchestra Hall, which is a beautiful hall. With my congas and Dizzy's like eyeballing me thinking, can this guy play? So we did, we did the rehearsal. He didn't say much, but he was friendly. He was very nice, very funny. And then he would tell me what tempo to play, and I would play it. And But I knew all the tunes. It's like I didn't have to read them down. I knew all the tunes, all the breaks. I knew that stuff because he's one of the people I listened to. So yeah. I was kind of a little intimidated by him. Oh, and, yeah. it did, and it didn't help right as the show started, when they were opening the curtain, announcing him. I was sitting with my three congas like this, and he walked in next to me, and he was going to stand like right in front of me with his trumpet. And he leans down to me and he reminded me that I was sitting in Chano Pozo's chair. Wow. Wow. Says, so, remember, you sit in Chano Pozo's chair. And went, <laughs> so, but wow. I played okay. At the end of the night, he says, Alberta, we're going to Asia, man, for, for a month. Do you want to go with us? And I said, Dizzy, I'm starting medical school in two weeks. I said, I can't go with you. Yeah. And then he, and then he, he pushed back a little bit. He says, Man, don't you want to tell people you played with Dizzy Gillespie? <laughs> and I said, Dizzy, we just played a we just played a show. I could tell them that now. And he says, "We got a point." <laughs> <laughs> I've always heard nothing but great things about him as a human. A beautiful soul, man, and pl could play like no tomorrow. Bend notes all the ways, and just yeah. amazing. I would have just loved once to see the the puffer, the whole like the the whole thing happen in front of me. That would have been amazing. Yeah, uh, it's pretty amazing how that happens, how those muscles or how that skin stretches out. But yeah, he did it. I, I saw that hundreds of times, so it was kind of cool. That's wild. So, yeah. what is it that you love the best about being a professional musician? You've obviously split time, but what is it that you've always loved about this? 
I love the camaraderie. I love being able to express what I feel and what the musicians feel. You know, as you can see in this in this release, I've got three of the uh, two other guys in the in the band that have stepped up and uh, written music. And as of right now, there's another few tunes coming up from the other musicians. So I think the next one is going to involve some of their music too. I mean, on, on a much greater scale than what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, but I've got a lot of original stuff of my own. But I just like the camaraderie. I like the hang with the guys. It's always fun. And, you know, the good thing is none of them are alcoholics or drug users or skirt chasers or anything like that. They're family men, solid citizens, good human beings, and they play their 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 asses off. So that's yeah. a wonderful so what what is it about obviously you're dealing with music that's left brain or right brain i'm sorry you're dealing with medicine that's left brain how do those two co-mingle and play off of each other and infuse and enhance and help each other how does that work for you in your life well you know for me really the the skill set that i need to be a good physician or a good musician is essentially the same thing which is Pick the best players you can, or the best colleagues you can, or the best staff you can. Um, be on time, end on time. Don't, you know, be thoughtful of, of others. So when I write music, I'm literally thinking of my musical partners. I'm thinking, how would Russ sound when he played this on the saxophone or flute? How would Rick sound if he, if he plays this mambo or this montuno on, on the piano? How would he sound? What would he do? So I'm thinking about their voices in my head and I put and I incorporate that into the music. So there's a lot of beauty to that because I really not only care for them as musicians, but as human beings. And we have a great friendship. And the fact that we've been together 11 years now says a lot. Yeah. So as a curious, learned man, what's the best advice you've ever gotten? Oh, uh, it, it's exactly the same thing that we that we started. Listen well. You know, I had I had somebody once tell me, you know, you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. <laughs> That's right. And I said, well, it makes sense. It is true. So true. You know, of all of the anecdotes that I've heard about Miles Davis from those that have played with him, that have been close to him, they always say he was an impeccable listener. Yes. Yes. So there's a guy that I saw a few times and I never, never, never met him. I would have loved to have met him and pick to pick his brain and sit down with him and talk. Uh, My one of my greatest friends and he's he's actually on one of our albums. It was his last recording. The great trumpeter Marcus Belgrave um, um, was at his bedside when he was ill. Wow. And he called me from from the hospital in New York and, and he says, you know, with his gravelly voice, yeah, man, I'm with I'm with Miles right now, man. And I said, Marcus, tell him tell him how much I value what he's done and what he's put into my heart. And uh, you know, but yeah, I never got to meet him or anything. And and I said, did he say anything? And he he said he just said yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> words, good listener, words. That, I love that. That's it. So why do you love jazz? Say that again. Why do you love jazz? Uh because of the the expression, the way to express yourself, it's not like this. It's like this, you know. It's mm-hmm. I guess the best way I can put it. It's a great question though, because nobody's ever asked me that. <laughs> so let me ask you this: You played with Dizzy. I'm sure you've seen a lot of magical shows in your time. But if we get off the phone 
time machine pulls up in front of your house, the Jazz DeLorean, you got to punch in the digits. Where are you going? Where am I going? You mean, what show would I have have repeated? Yep. What show? A a show with a guy named Roy Brooks. Okay. He's one of the great drummers here. And, uh, and and some of the Detroit cats that we did at the Detroit Jazz Festival. It was a pretty amazing thing. Uh, Roy was a drummer, a jazz drummer, but he was so creative. He'd bring out a saw. He'd bring out an African talking drum. Wow. He'd bring out aves. He would do things that just blew my mind because, it, it, you know, it, it, in the middle of a tune, he would just start doing something. And he was an amazing, amazing drummer. And supporting him in playing what he was experiencing and what he was, uh, how can I say, trying to com- co- convey was a pretty amazing. So I would go back to that show because a lot of cats that were on that show have passed on, including Roy. And uh, that that was a, a show that I wish there were a video of it, but it's okay. I replayed it in my head many times. And, That's and right. It, if my details aren't accurate, well, so be it. That's it. It's like it's yeah. like improv. It's true improv. You know, it's yes. interesting. You keep bringing up Detroit. I remember being up there in the late '90s, and it always felt a little bit like Kansas City. Like Kansas City always has that scent and the ghosts of jazz in the air, and it always yeah. seems like Detroit always had that Motown kind of the soul music. There was there was just this kind of thing that hung in the air, and they're always building it back up. And I I think Detroit's been kind of built back up, hasn't it? Been kind of urban oh. revitalization. Yeah, it's beautiful downtown. It's a nice place to live. Uh, the jazz scene is scorching here. And I'm telling you, there's so many young musicians up and coming that are going to be world famous. They're just so good. The one thing I like about Detroit is there's been this sort of, uh, pass it on kind of mentality, i.e., you know, uh, all, all the masters that are in their seventies and eighties right now are all teaching now they're third generation downstream yeah uh play that to, to express themselves through this craft called jazz and uh they're very how can i say unselfish is probably a good word yeah about you know and and showing people technique and thoughtful ideas of how to express themselves so it's a great place and, and you know and we've got some great jazz programs in in the area we've got you know wayne state university michigan state u of m they have world-class jazz program. So I'm really, really happy that we have that milieu of, of uh, wonderfulness around us. You know, it's interesting because, you know, Bobby Watson's done the same thing at Kansas City. He's ushered in as yeah. a teacher waves of people that have taken over the scene here in Kansas City and have moved on, you know. Um, one of the younger cats that came out, one of the first ones, his name is Herman Mahari. He's a trumpet player. And he's moved on to Paris, but he came back for a show right after we won the Super Bowl. And man, the uh, electricity in that room. I mean, it was packed and it was all yeah. the musicians and all the cats and all the people that love it. It's like when you can see that, but I knew it was Bobby. It was him that brought that love, but it is. That's the thing that I think I love the best about the jazz community that I didn't yeah. know before I started covering it as a journalist. They are the most humble and grounded people. And the higher up you go, the nicer they are. And they do. It's like there's this eternal feeling of passing that flame on. Keep that yes. fire going. Pass it on. And we all say the same thing after the gig. We we wonder and 
How is it that we showed up tired from our day and we're leaving here so energized, feeling yeah. so so happy, humming some of the tunes that we've played 300 times, but we're humming them. I said, mm-hmm. wow, I don't know. But that's a good thing because I feel the same way. So, yeah. It, it, it's the good natural sugar. <laughs> um, yeah. So everyone out there has a perception of you. Family, friends, fans, patients, colleagues. Yeah. But you yeah. run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Well, first of all, I like to think that I'm very flexible in my own way, but I still have a direction. And, and I want to try and keep going in that direction. For me, the direction is to blend uh, the, the the best in uh, Cuban and Latin music, other Latin music. I mean, we, we occasionally play a, a bossa nova or something like that. But, uh, you know, the crux of what we do is Cuban music with jazz. And, uh, you know, I, I tell the guys all the time, if I wanted a salsa band, I would hire different guys because you guys are not salsa players. And I don't want a, salsa, a lot of salsa bands. I said, I want a Latin jazz band. I want to I want to hear what you guys do with your jazz upbringing with this new color that I'm throwing into the, the palette of, of what we do. Yeah. 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 So if anyone wants to pick up the new album, learn about shows, anything about your world, where can they go? They can go to our website uh, right now. I mean, I, I've got a, a, a gentleman in New York right now who is going to be putting us on every sort of platform very soon. I think probably in the next couple of weeks that's going to happen. And, um, uh, but right now, you can find us at aguanco.com. You just use the name of the band.com, and you'll see when the shows that are coming up. Uh, you'll see some photos of us. You'll see a little history of us. And, and you can purchase all of the CDs that we have. I, we, we have five, and, uh, you know, I think hopefully in the next five years, we'll have another three because we're going to do, be doing a big band. This is the last one, Unidad, yep. or Unity. Yep, that's um, the one. Or that we... We did uh, pattern recognition, and pattern recognition got as far as the top fifty-six for Grammy voting, which was I was like, "Wow, I can't believe that happened." Uh, Invisible before that, and this is Marcus Belgrave's last recording, and and we have uh, the wonderful Cuban singer that plays with Cubanese one Afro Cuban All Stars, uh, Alberto Alberto Pino. Um, yeah singing on this on one tune. And then we did a Christmas show. I had the idea to put together uh, Christmas music with Latin jazz. Oh, right on. And we do pretty well with this. Uh, it's amazing how many we sell around Christmas. People give them yeah. away for me. And then the very first one we did was Elemental. So here they are. Okay. Yeah, man. That's perfect. I was just thinking a really good album cover for you at some point would be that yeah. metaphor for the Japanese bowl, but it's your hands with kind of the creases, but little gold things in it, kind of oh, forming yeah. a bowl over the top of the drum kit. It'd be kind of cool, you know? At the guy that used to publicize this to all the radio stations, Dr. Jazz, who passed away a year ago. Yeah, I remember the name. He's a great, was a great guy, great friend. He uh, told me in his inimitable manner, you ought to do a sh- you ought to do a album about about with uh, medical uh, titles like it hurts when I do this and <laughs> you know like he gave me a list of titles I cracked up and he kept telling me I should do that and I said no man it's gonna be kind of cheesy but <laughs> <laughs> one or two tunes I did write a tune on, on the last album not this current one but the one before that called Doctor's Orders yeah 
And so when we played it, the first time we played it, I announced it. This is called Doctor's Orders for obvious reasons. And, you know, I hope you enjoy it. It's a mambo. And we launched into it. At the end of the show, a lady came up to me and said, uh, what do you mean for obvious reasons when you wrote, when you played that tune, Doctor's Orders? I said, well, because I'm a doctor. And she said, yeah, right. And she turned and left. <laughs> I guess That's I awesome. <laughs> I didn't have to quite go down with the stuff and scope. It was pretty funny. Yeah, right. That's pretty cool, man. It, does it feel good to have that alter ego? You know what? I, I, I'm one and the same. Yeah, I get it. You know, I, I get patients that tell me, man, you make my belly sound good when you're tapping it. You just, <laughs> I, I never heard anybody make so much sound out of this. <laughs> That's what you do. That's what you do. Alberto, yeah. this has been great, man. Thank you so much for opening up. Best of luck with everything. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for inviting me, and thank you for all you do. I appreciate you. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Chess interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in Mexico, Detroit, Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Alberto for his time, music, and story. If you want to hear more Neon Chess interviews, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. on jazz.